0: The following podcast is brought to you by Pathways Church. Thanks for joining us for this message from our weekend service. We exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Christ. If you have any questions or even a story to share about how God is moving in your life, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at pathwayschurch.us. Thanks for listening and we pray that God's word will enrich your journey today. Hey, I am so excited to be with you today. I just absolutely love our church. I love what God is doing. I believe that God is doing something that if he told us what he was up to, it would blow our minds. It would mind-blown so he can't even tell us. So you know what he calls us to do? To walk by faith and not by to trust him. To trust him with everything that's... Do you know that your heart, everything that comes out of you flows from your heart? God is looking at the heart. He wants to make sure your heart is right. That's why when we worship, we experience Him. We get into His presence together. And so I'm so excited today to talk about this uh, series face to face week two. Last week, if you weren't here, make sure you go back online, download our mobile app, check out the content, what uh, Gary and Maddie delivered. Man, that was straight from the heart of God as they talked about worship as invitation. And today, my job is to talk about worship as experience. Worship as experience. And so here's what you need to know. First, here's what I want to do today. I want to share. First of all, I got to tell you, I'm ready to preach and teach. First service was a warm-up. I was just, you know, I was, I was telling Gary back there in the team and Ryan, you know, Ryan Bratz right here. I was telling Ryan, I said, man, I, they don't even know what's coming. I'm so excited. I said, 9 a.m. was just a warm-up, man. I've been out of pocket for a week. I was on a prayer retreat. Thank you for praying for me. Do you know why I went on a prayer retreat? Because I wanted to get face-to-face with Jesus. Because I can't lead you to a place that I've never been. And the healthiest thing that I can give you is a centered heart and soul. I got to gaze upon Jesus' face. Like, I need that desperately. My family needs that. My girls need that. Laura needs that. This own soul needs that. And you, know, you need that. You need to know that I am seeking and hungry for the presence of God. Guys, I want Jesus more than anything in this entire world. I want you to know that Jesus is the most important thing to me. I want you to know that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Without him, my life would be so broken. I would be lost. I would never have a chance at succeeding the way that Jesus has helped me to learn to love people to be a husband and a father and a friend and an evangelist to declare by faith that God is good and I will see him in the land of the living, the goodness of God. So, are you ready? Oh man, are you ready, Pete? You're ready, you got a jacket on today, you're looking good, woo. Man, I gotta get me one of those. All right worship. Here's what we're talking about. Worship is this. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to share my heart with you, okay? I'm going to share my heart with you, and then I'm going to show you about a dozen pictures, and then I'm going to share with you a familiar passage, all right? If you're a guest today, I'm so glad that you're here. You chose a phenomenal church. You know why? Because we lift up Jesus Christ. We're here to worship Him. It's His glory, not ours. Worship is not about a performance. Worship is not about a performance. There is no way that this is performance. It is not about the lights. It's not about a show. It's not even about an emotional response, although emotions are a part of worship because God has wired and designed you with emotions and you sense him in your emotional world. We are not here to perform or to put lights a special way. We could turn off all the lights, silence all the mics, and know that the Holy Spirit and the power of presence of Jesus Christ is here when we worship him. We don't need that. So we're not trying to whip anybody up into an emotional response. That's not the goal. The goal is not, the goal is not even your favorite worship style of music. It's not your favorite song. I like this. Ooh, if they sing that song. Ooh, I can get into the presence of God if they sing that song. I am chosen. Da-da. Oh, that's, that's my song, that's my song. Play that jam. Listen, if it's about your song, then it's about your preferences and it's not about your preferences. It's not about a performance here. Do you know what worship? Worship is not about a performance, but about the presence of Jesus. Do you know the worship leader? The head worship leader in all of scripture is David. David was called a man after God's own. Because when God saw him, he said, Oh, there's the heart, there's the heart. His brothers, they're tall, they're tall, they're dark, they're handsome, 1 Samuel 16. But I see David, he's a man after my own heart. God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He's not looking at if you're raising your hands or clapping, what he's looking at is the heart. Out of the heart, the hands are lifted. Out of the heart, the knees drop. Out of the heart, the heart surrenders. That's what God is looking at, to be in his presence. you know what David said? David said that my soul yearns for you. My soul even faints. I don't even know what that means. How does your soul faint? David said in Psalm 84, he said that my soul yearns, my soul even faints. My flesh, they cry out for you. In verse 10, he said this, one day, one day in your courts, in your presence, is better than a thousand elsewhere, verse 10. One day in your presence is better than a thousand on the golf course. Ooh, that hurts me. I'm preaching to me right now. That convicts me. If you were to say, Adam, I'll give you 1,000 free rounds of golf or one day in God's presence, right? Well, one day, David said, one day in God's presence is, a, is better than a 1,000 on the beach. In 75 degree, low humidity, waves rolling in, sand between your toes, Jesus on the throne, you're in front of the sun. Some of you are like, well, he's there too, isn't he? But David said one day. In his presence, in his... One day in his presence is better than a 1,000 at Lambeau Field. Now, see, that's your ministry. I'm not a Packers fan. So for me to go to Lambeau, I get a little upset stomach. I get, you know, I've said, you know my prayers are, it's different. I go to my friend Eric and I'm like, thank you. I go see the Bears play. I don't wear anything, but man, my prayer life is so powerful. I'm like, Jesus, I pray that you would make those bears mighty. God, I pray that you would anoint them and strengthen them. God, I just pray, and Eric is like, oh, we'll see how it goes. He's so low-key cool, too. He's like, the bears are playing pretty good. And I'm like, they're going to lose. They're going to lose. They always (laughs) lose. But isn't it sad? Wouldn't you agree with me? Isn't it sad how our stadiums and our arenas and our baseball fields are more houses of worship than our churches are in Wisconsin and our nation today. We get more excited, we get more jacked up, and we will emote. Listen, there are, there are people who do crazy stuff. You've seen it, Lambeau Field, 25 degrees below, shirts off, painted it all up in here. It's like, please put that away, dear Jesus. I don't even know what that is, but we don't need to see all that. They'll be there doing that, acting like for human beings with somebody who wears number 12, and they'll forget the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One, two, and three. David, David said this. Any hunters here? Any hunters? Anybody hunt? Anybody hunt? I can't hunt. Listen, David says this in Psalm 42. He says, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs. Thirst, thirst for you. Do you know that David said this in Psalm 40? Here's, he said, God, I'm gonna praise you. You know why? Because you have lifted me out of the slimy pit. Has anybody been lifted out of the slimy pit by God himself? Has anybody been lifted out of something that was mud and mire and yuck? Can anybody identify with what David said? If you can, can you shout to God and praise him for your salvation? Come on, <laughs> praise God. David said, David said that God lift him out of that slimy pit and he put his feet on a rock to stay. I'm going to praise God. That's what David said. David wanted to get face to face with God. He wanted to experience God. Do you know that one day David came through the streets after the nation of Israel had won and he was dancing in his underwear. And his wife was like, are you nuts? And he said, I don't even care because my God loves me so much and I'm gonna praise his name forever. You know what that passage is about? That he wanted to experience God at so many different levels that was so powerful. See, worship is not about a performance. It's about the presence of Jesus. So here's what you need to do. Listen, resist the temptation to spectate. Resist the temptation to spectate because when you spectate, what you're doing is you're watching. God's not asking you to watch. Rather, God is saying, participate, engage, dive in, seek him, trust him, look to his face, trust him. Say, God, I wanna know you. I desire you more than anything else in this world. God, I want what you want. If you're not in it, I don't want it. God, if you're not in this job, I'm done with the job. If you're not in this, I don't want it. If this is becoming an idol, get it out of my heart. In fact, did you realize that every single one of us, we were created to worship. If you're a human being, God made you to worship. In fact, when you worship, it's the most natural thing that comes to men and to women, to human beings, is to worship. And when you misplace your worship and you don't get in front of God's face, here's what John Calvin says, that our heart is an idol-making factory. The question is, not will I worship, the question is, who or what will you worship? Because we're all worshipers. You're worshiping something. The question is, will you worship God? Will you seek his face? Would you say like David, I yearn, I long, I want the presence of God. Do do you know the goal of worship of our, here's my heart, the goal of our worship team, the goal of our our technical teams. Here it is. The goal was simply this. For you to, say that word, shout it, to experience, not to spectate, not to say, oh, that was good. Oh, hey, oh, let me pull out my report card. Oh, that singer was off. The mix was bad. Oh, no, the lights didn't work. Did you see that? Oh, the lyrics didn't come. No! To say, God, I long for you, I want you. It doesn't matter who's seated around you. It doesn't matter what your week was like. Listen, it doesn't, in fact, you need to start off your next week in God's house on Sunday. Do you realize there is a cultural lie? And the lie is this. The lie is that the work week starts on Monday. The week begins on Sunday and it begins in worship. You don't know what your next week brings, but God does. That's why God says you can't do it in your own strength. Please don't leave Sunday without getting in in front of my face and worshiping me because I'm gonna give you the strength. I'm gonna give you the energy. I'm gonna give you the love. I'm gonna give you the perseverance. I'm gonna give you the joy. I'm gonna give you everything that you need to do this next week. In fact, oh man, you're gonna love me right now. We're starting a Saturday night service. Yep. We're starting it. I'm announcing it right now. We're saying next Saturday night, we're starting a Saturday night service. Do you know where it is? It's in your bedroom. There's a woman of God. There's a prophetess right there. Why? You know why? Because that's where worship begins for Sunday morning. Some of y'all stay up to 2.30 a.m. And then you're like, oh, well, I got to wake up. Should I do? Oh, can I make it? What am I going to do? Make the decision to prepare your heart on a Saturday night. Have your own service. Sit with God. God, I cannot wait for, I can't, who's going to be here? God, this goal of worshiping you, I want to engage. That's why, do you know that our worship team, our technical in fact, we have four kids today who are under the age of 14 working cameras and somebody on lights right here. Look, look around you. We got four kids under the age of 14. Right there, look, 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 look. Hey, we got somebody on lights right up there. There's, uh, where, where's RJ? RJ, can you wave your hand on lights right there? He's going to be 14 next week. Right there. Look, look, he's right up there. Look. Do we, we got a 19-year-old student in college. His name is Trent. He's training as a production person on our technical team. And it's daylight savings. And I see him coming down after a run through on, on uh, this morning. I'm thinking, man, I've never seen this kid before in my entire life. He said, like, "Yep, started coming in August. Uh, I'm trying to figure this out, and I want to serve." And I'm like, "Man, 19 years old, there is hope. When we worship, when we seek God's face, when we get into His presence, do you know what God says? Second Chronicles 7:14: If you seek My face, I'll hear you from heaven. I'll forgive your sins, and I will heal your land. God is healing His land through this next generation." I believe it. So uh, we want to experience the presence of Jesus. You know what that means? We want to minimize distractions as a worship and a technical team. We want to minimize distractions. We want to use our gifts. We want to prepare. We want to make sure our hearts are surrendered to lead you into the throne room of God. We want to be there to see you engaged. You can help us. You can help us have your Saturday night service. Be ready, on time, hungry, with expectation. Why? Because when you experience the presence of Jesus, everything has the potential to change. Let me show you. There's my heart. Let me show you some pictures. Look look at Eric. We're gonna put him on the side screens as well so you can see these worshipers. If you're live streaming with us, hang with us as we show. There's Eric. Eric's one of our bass guitar players and I love, I coach, I disciple, I train. I always say to our worship leaders, our instrumentalists, our tech people, listen, when you're not on, would you just continue to lead us from the row? There's Eric, palms up. Look, Look at this next slide. Dads, I'm talking to you. Look at John right there. Look at John, parents, more is caught than is taught when it comes to parenting, that is the truth. Fathers, you want to you level up? You want to step into your God-given role as a father? Go palms up in front of your kids. It'll, it Boy, I tell you what, you're gonna, they're going to forever. Do you know my dad used to worship in the car? It was so weird. My dad, we'd be driving down. He'd have a little cassette tape in. I promise you on the 81 North, he'd go like this. He had big old hands too. He used to raise his hand like this. I'd be like, dad, put your hand down. People would be waving at my dad. He'd be singing and driving. <laughs> Couldn't sing worth a lick. A mighty fortress is I'd be like, dad, you're terrible. He's like, I don't care. I'm praising God. I learned how to worship. I learned how to tithe. I learned how to pray, not because of some pastor, but because of my dad and my mom. Look, John's son will never forget that. Look at Miranda. Miranda's sick today, but she's watching live stream. Everybody say hi to Miranda on three. One, two, three. She was commenting. She said, I've been sick since Thursday, but I need to get in and I need to experience the presence. The presence of God can go online and touch you right where you are. Oh, there's another one. Where's the other picture? Oh, there's a precious couple, Chad and Rachel. They're right down here. And uh, Look at that. Look at that. Look. Look. <laughs> Can't you see God bringing just a protective covering to their marriage? Young couples, if you want God to be at the center, then get in front of his face and put him at the center. Don't just talk about it. Don't make some goofy plaque and put it in your house. Get in front of his face. Say, God, be at the center. If there's anything in the middle of us, please remove it because we know it's not of you and it's of the devil. We're renouncing it and we're putting you right in the center. Look at Lynn. Look at this mom right here. Look at this. Look. What's she praying about? What's she praising about? What's God saying to her? I don't know. But the presence of God is what changes people. Look at this next picture. Listen, if you ever, oh, my word, Linda went right there. If you, how many of you are 9 a.m.ers? You slept in, you were late. You got here at 1045 today. That's fine. No guilt. You can lift it up. All right. So if you've been at the 9 a.m., have you ever done a little worship watching? I worship watch. Sometimes when I'm tired, I'll just check out Linda Went because I know the glory's right there. I'll watch her worship. Woo! Have you ever been there? She was sitting next to this guy, seated next to this guy. I can't even talk. Seated next to this guy today, and I don't know, I just called him muscles. This guy was jacked. And he was walking in like this. Yeah, short sleeve shirt on. I'm like, man, you don't even know. You're sitting next to Holy Ghost power that your muscles don't know nothing about. This woman right here, man, her hands are gonna go up. The glory's gonna fall. You, you, might, you might just get blessed. It'd be like a hundred pound dumbbell hitting you right on your head. <laughs> Linda started, and he was like, whoa. <laughs> you know what is powerful about that picture? Who's next to Linda? Bella. Who baptized Emily? That's the body of Christ. That's how that works. Do you see it? What did Emily say in the video? Bella is a woman of God. Where do you think she learned to be a woman of God? Watching Linda. That's how that happens. We're the body of Christ. When you come in here, we're learning and growing together. Look at some of our students. Look, look, there's Nicole. There's Nicole leading us in worship, leading our students. Here's another one. Here's, here's, here's Aubrey. There, there she is worshiping with our students. It happens on Wednesday nights. There's a small group leader right over there. There's somebody, there's somebody from the 60s. I don't know. He made it in. The, he doing a little tie-dye action. I like it. I, he got a hat on backwards. I love it. Oh, our kids. Prayer hands. Do you see this young man? One day that man, listen, moms, you want to put your daughter with him. You claim it, declare it by faith. Right there, get that kid. I know he's got glasses on, but I'm telling you, God's all over him. Look, 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 look at these girls right here in the line. Look, look at this next picture. Look at that. When you invest and you give and you serve, you're doing that for the next generation. You're not just giving. You're not giving to a building, you're giving to a movement. You're giving to the presence of Jesus that God might be glorified in every single woman, man, child, teenager. Look at these little boys. Oh my word, I love that sweater. (laughs) These Chicago Bears colors. I didn't even realize that. See, he's anointed. Oh, face to face. Take a picture of that. That's what this series is about, face to face. Last weekend at 9 a.m. service, here's my favorite picture. This is what I get to do in leading you. About 500 of you, knees down, arms up, hearts surrendered. Jen emailed me this week. I was trying to limit all my email usage. I only checked it once a day, and she sent this to me on Thursday. She said, She said Sunday, wow, what a powerful service. We were singing the song, Just Want You. By the way, that's my new favorite worship song, Just Want You by Sarah Reeves. Put it on repeat. Phenomenal. She said, I had just one of those really rare moments where I just felt overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. Do you know God's presence is just overwhelming? You get into the presence of God, the glory of God, that will knock you on your butt like poof. I was talking to Grace earlier this week. I said, what do you love about God? She said, just his presence, Dad. Just like, whoa. I was like, I know, right? The presence of God is so powerful. She said it was so powerful. She said it was like my, 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 my heart was going to beat out of my chest. I, my hands, I was, they, were just, they were in the air. I was just shaking them. and Wow. She said about halfway through that song, I felt like I was supposed to kneel down on my knees. You know what she said? I chickened out said, but then you got up there, Adam, and, and, and God does what he does. He shows off. I love that line. And you were calling and encouraging people just to kneel. There you go, God, showing off. I wanted to run right up below that stage at that exact moment. It was just so amazing to hear how God was speaking to multiple people to worship him. To my heart. Maddie hits the ground. Jen's feeling it. God's presence, the Holy Spirit is coming down. He is moving, activating our faith. There is something so powerful when we get into the presence of God. It's as if God is looking directly at us, eyeball, eyeball to eyeball, face to face. I was um, uh, recently, uh, I was, uh, uh, Ella was at a uh, volleyball uh, match and uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, he- here's what it's like to be face to face. Now, typically when you go to a volleyball deal, you're usually courtside, so you're watching it. But there's this one venue allows you to go up top It's down in Milwaukee. It's called the Milwaukee Sting Center, okay? And so I was up top watching, and I was getting really excited. Man, I was there because I, listen, I wasn't just there to spectate and watch my daughter. Man, I wanted to participate with her. See, the news about God is that he wants to do life with you. He wants to participate with you. God's looking. He wants to see your face. So I'm up there and, and, and Daryl knows this. I get excited. I start getting jacked up. That's why I got to go up top sometimes because I can't let people see me. Some words might come out, some attitudes. I got to put that at the feet of Jesus. So I, I'm all pumped up. And all of a sudden I started going like this. And it was like I was trying to talk to Ella. I was like, Then I went like this, which means savage. Okay, savage. (laughs) Ella didn't see me. She walked over in the huddle. She looked up. She caught my eye. I went like this. She, She started going like this. We've done that before. She knows that. We've talked about that. I'll say, Ella, if you're sw- you are swing hard, if you get you call for that ball, go. I went like this savage. She was like, mm, savage. <laughs> I savage. She was getting mean, too. It was like, no, now, Grace is hardwired. You don't even need to do that with Grace. Grace, take it easy. Take a deep breath. I mean, Grace, she does squats in her sleep. I mean, she just, Ella, though, was like, all right, get her fired up. Come on. I'm her dad. And then we ended it, and I just went like this. (laughs) She took her hand and just went like this. We were face-to-face. God wants to be like that with you. Face-to-face in your presence. All right. Wow. I am so over time. I apologize. Okay, familiar passage, Matthew 26. We're going to tear it up. Are you ready? Matthew 26, here we go. Stay with me. I'm teaching. On the first day, Thursday evening, scholars believe, the festival unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? All right, now let me pause here real quick. First of all, this passage of Scripture is known as the Last Supper. One of Laura's cousins one day came running out of church and and, uh, her mom said, hey, what did you learn about? And and Laura's little cousin said, we learned about God's last lunch. (laughs) So if you need some help in remembering what we're talking about, we're talking about Jesus' God's last lunch. Matthew 26. Now here's what you need to understand. The Feast of Unleavened Bread, I'm going fast, take notes, here we go. Feast of Unleavened Bread is in conjunction with the Passover. The Passover, you can read about all seven festivals in Leviticus chapter 23. I don't have time to go there. There were three festivals that every Jew in the diaspora had to come back to Jerusalem to worship on three occasions. The feast of unleavened bread was essentially the removal of yeast. What does yeast make bread do? Makes it rise. In the New Testament, God said, Jesus said to the Pharisees, watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees. Yeast in New Testament terms was an indicator of spiritual pride and rebellion. So every year the Jews for seven days were called to remove all yeast out of their house in order to acknowledge what God had done in Egypt. What did God do in Egypt? Great question. Glad you asked. It's the Passover. Look at Exodus chapter 12. Here's what happened. God called somebody who had a speech impediment. His name was Moses, a prophet. That's what scripture calls him. And Moses was to go to to Pharaoh and said, "Hey Pharaoh, let my people and Pharaoh got a hard heart. Nine times this happened. It wasn't working. And so God said he was left with no choice. He said, Okay, these are my people, the treasure possession. Name the Israelites. Do you know that you're the treasure possession of God because of Jesus Christ? He loves you. Do you know that? He's for you, not against you. And he said to Moses, Here's what I need you to do. I need all the Israelites to come together and to eat a meal, kill the lamb, very specific. There were certain ways in which we were to do this no foreigners, no uncircumcised, no temporary residents, only Jews in the house. They were to take the blood of the lamb and put it on the door frames. And then the last and final plague, the angel of the Lord swept through Egypt and all the firstborn children of the of the Egyptians was killed. Pharaoh said, whoa, leave now. The feast of unleavened bread is also a sign of haste. They were to leave quickly to go. They didn't even have time for the bread to rise. Just grab it flat and let's get out of here. We got to go. Now, here's what kicks off the feast of unleavened bread. It's the celebration of the Passover meal. So, in verse 18, here's what scripture says. He replied, Jesus said, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my appointed time is near. What's the appointed time? The cross. He was going to the cross. My appointed time is near. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. Okay? Now, he gets to the house. They make preparations. The disciples do exactly what Jesus asked them to do. They're seated around in the upper room. They're at a table. And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, hey, one of you are going to betray me. Remember his name? What's his name? Judas, right? In fact, that was an Old Testament prophecy that was fulfilled because Judas was going to betray him for 30 pieces of silver. That's found in Zechariah chapter 11, verse 12. It was a fulfillment of prophecy. He said, it's the one whom I'm dipping my hand in with this bread. Now, he was reclining and dipping his hand in in bread with all the disciples. So the disciples are like, whoa, is it me? Whoa, whoa, whoa. The one disciple who was gluten-free was like, see, I didn't touch the bread, so I know it's not me. It's like, hallelujah. Now, listen to what Judas said. This is key. Listen to this. Verse 25, then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely, surely, you don't mean me. Say that word. This suggests that it was almost a negative response to the question of who was going to betray Jesus. Why? Because rabbi means teacher, But at this point, three years in being with Jesus, he was more than a teacher. They were celebrating Passover when Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. I raise the dead. I heal the lame. Blind eyes open. They saw that Lazarus came out of the tomb. There was miracle after miracle after miracle. You would think by now that Judas would have called him Lord, Master, Kurios, not Rabbi. Jesus answered, you have said so. I I don't know what that was like. You would think that Peter would be like, stab him now. (laughs) That didn't happen. I don't know why. Then there was a moment in the meal, and you remember the meal had very specific prescriptions on how to eat, when to eat, what to do. Jesus calls an audible. He, he, he just breaks up the meal. It's like having dessert before you have the main course. Have you ever done that? Isn't that awesome? It's like having breakfast at dinner called Brinner. It's like, it's like wait a second, that's not the way it's supposed to go. Jesus says, time out. While they're eating... Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body. And then he took the cup, and and here's what he did. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This, this, this is my blood of the covenant. Not a covenant, the covenant. What's he talking about? He's talking about a new covenant. What's the new covenant? You have to go back to the Old Testament. God always wanted to be with his people. He rescued them from Egypt. He brought them to the promised land. They didn't have faith. They wandered in the wilderness. Then they went to the promised land, and God said, Here, I'm giving you promised land land like the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve were placed in the garden. Why? Because God wanted to have relationship with them, just like he wanted to have relationship with them in the promised land. And what did the people do? They turned their back on God, just like I do. How many times has God done something great for me? And I said, God, I give it to you all. God, I want to be face to face. And I turned my back on him. That's a message for another day. God always wanted to be with his people. He sends the prophets. You remember, we studied one of those, Hosea pursued, remember? It was just a big word picture of God's love for his nation to love Gomer who had this affair. And then all of a sudden, God was just, I just want you, I just want you, I just want you. There was one major prophet, Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 31, look it up. God says this, eventually, I'm done with this, I'm coming to you. In Jeremiah 31, he says, there is a new covenant. I am going to put it in your mind and write it on your heart. There is a new covenant, a new way, a new agreement. I am sending my son to you. And here, this last supper before Jesus goes to the cross, before he's betrayed, he's whipped, hurt, beat, broken, stabbed, marred. Jesus says, here, this cup, this blood of the new covenant, which is poured out. For many, for the forgiveness of sins. All right. Now, we don't have time to go here. Do you want to learn some theology? Say yes or no. I promise if you say no, we'll just skip it. But if you want to learn it, you tell me. Yes or no? Okay. Great. That's what we're going to learn. Here we go. How many of you were uh, raised Catholic? Any Catholics? Any Catholics? Raise them high. Uh, My daddy was a Catholic. My aunt, Dolores, is still a Catholic. Raised Catholic. When it comes to the elements, to the bread and to the wine, there are a couple things that Catholics believe. How many of you raised Lutheran? E-L-C-A, Wells, Missouri. I don't care. Raised Lutheran. Any Lutherans? Any? Come on. Raised? Come on. Okay, okay. Catholics, when it comes to the elements, here's what they believe. They believe in transubstantiation. It's the process by which the bread and the wine is transformed into the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. They literally believe that the bread and the wine become the actual uh, 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 body and blood of Jesus Christ. They would say, a good Catholic would say that this is, these sacraments are the means of grace and is necessary for salvation, just like you have to trust in Jesus Christ. It's, this is necessary. As every time you go to Mass, you always have the sacraments. That's so critical. Trans, the prefix, means to change thoroughly, okay? Now, you'd say, Adam, yeah, but where's the biblical basis for that? Well, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. In fact, he says this in verse 53, 54, 55, and 56 of John chapter 6. He says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have no part of me. This is kind of their biblical basis for this, okay? Now, Lutherans, raised Lutheran, any Lutherans, here's what they believe. Consubstantiation. That the substance of the bread and the wine coexists with the body and the blood Of Jesus in communion. Con means with. In, with, and under. When they take communion at a Lutheran church, there is a pastor that believes that it is with the presence of God. Which, by the way, um, how many of you know that we don't uh, do wine here when we take communion? You know that, right? See, we, we do juice, right? You know, the first time I ever had alcohol was in a church. It was at a Lutheran church because my best friend, Jason Fry, he took me to his church one Sunday and he said, hey, Adam, uh, I know when you go to your church, you got the little cups, the juice cups. I was like, yeah. He's like, we got those too. But then we got something called the common cup, real big. Here's what I want you to do, Adam. His dad was there, his younger brother. He said, now, here's what I want you to do. When you walk down, we all line up, a little different. You guys pass trays, we line up, here's what we do. do. Say no to the little cup. Take the big cup. You'll be close to God. I was like, okay, I want to be close to God. And the pastor came down. They had the little, they had the little thing that wipes. They talk about backwash. Ooh, right? So I was like, he's like, now you take a big drink of that, Okay. So Jason was there, uh, his little brother, Joey, and their dad, Lynn, they are looking down at me and I went like this, I said, (sighs) burning and like, I almost spit it all over the pastor. I was like. That, my friends, was not the blood of Jesus. That was wine. (laughs) Okay? Now, I tell you that story. Why? Because in the wider Protestant understanding from a theological framework, we uh, believe, Lutherans are Protestants, but the, the, the broader believes that the juice and the bread are signs and symbols. Here's what I want you to pick up. When you take the elements, they don't save you, friends. They just point to a reality that has saved you. That's the blood and the body of Jesus when he hung on the cross and he came back from the dead. That's what saves you. That doesn't save you. Listen, there is nowhere in Scripture that says, listen, you have to take these elements to be saved. No, 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 no. They're just a way for us to remember, celebrate, and proclaim something powerful. When we take them, they just point to a greater reality that says, Jesus, I'm face to face. Thank you for freeing me and saving me. Thank you for your power, for forgiveness, for grace. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. But here I am. I'm face to face with you because you you hung on that cross. In fact, when, when God looks at you, he doesn't see you. He sees his son who died for you. He sees the blood that covers your sin. And Jesus says this in verse 29. I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of this vine from now until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And here's what I love. I miss this. This is the first time I've ever saw this. I've read this passage so many times. But they were face to face with Jesus. And do you know what they did? They worshiped. They sang a hymn. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Do do you know what they were doing? They were experiencing now the presence of Jesus. Their response was to sing. Sing. It wasn't to have a theological debate. It wasn't to study the law or the prophets. It was simply to sing because they had been in the presence of Jesus. Something was powerful that was taking place. At this time, the ushers are going to come, and they're going to begin to distribute the elements. And what we're going to do, you're going to hold on to the elements, and we're going to sing because we've been in the presence of Jesus for the last Hour and 15 minutes. I'm 18 minutes over. Oh, my word. But God's not over with our hearts, friends. So, Maddie and the team are going to lead us, and I want you to sing this song from a sinner who experienced the ransom of Jesus. One that's familiar sing this. As the elements are distributed, ushers, go ahead, begin to pass, hold on to them, then I'll come back up and we'll take communion together.